G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. believes in Jesus is also meant to be an ambassador of Christ. Now that's not an easy role. Sometimes being an ambassador requires some tough talk. Other times it's about diplomacy. The question is knowing when to call a spade a spade and when to be a bit more circumspect. Diamond, and thanks so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Today we're going to take a look at what it means for someone who believes in Jesus to be an ambassador of Christ, to look, walk and talk like him. So let's dive into God's Word and please do stay tuned because in just a few minutes I'll be telling you about a free booklet called You Can Make a Powerful Difference that I'd love to send you to help you make an impact for Christ. most embarrassing things I've ever seen as a Christian, and I've seen it a few times, is some guy standing on a soapbox in the mall or in a street corner, or as I shared a few weeks ago at a Saturday morning market, screaming out the so-called good news about Jesus Christ. Now, I'm a Christian, and so I'll sometimes stop and see if I can understand where they're coming from, and truly, most of the time, I just can't figure it out. But there they stand on their soapbox with a Bible in their hands and surrounded by some pretty tacky placards normally, screaming the gospel at people. Do I think God can use that? Sure. I mean, he seems to use the foolishness that I preach sometimes in people's lives, so why not the guy on the soapbox on the street corner? Do I think, however, that it's the most effective way of dealing with the issue? Is it the best way to communicate the incredible love of God, the grace of Jesus Christ, the riches available to those who put their faith in him? Is it the best way to share that good news? Not by a long shot, not by a very long shot. And yet it's easy, it's so easy for us to imagine that telling people about Jesus is kind of like getting on that soapbox, that it's about two equal and opposite ideologies, gods and the world's butting heads and locking horns. Over the last couple of weeks, and again this week on the program, we're having a chat about living our lives out as ambassadors of Christ, his emissaries, if you will. If I believe in Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, then one of the things that we have to do with our lives, one of the main things, is to communicate his love, to carry his love out into a lost and a hurting world. That's what the Apostle Paul said in writing to his dear friends at the church in Corinth way back in the first century, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. So we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. Each one in our own way, of course, but otherwise, how can we possibly claim to be his ambassadors? How can God make his appeal to this world to be reconciled with him through someone who looks nothing like him, who sounds nothing like him? 
Now, that presents us with something of a dilemma, does me anyhow, because what I see is that sometimes Jesus stood up and berated people, not too often, but sometimes he did. He called the religious leaders of the day hypocrites, a brood of vipers, and a whole bunch of other things as well. And yet other times, he dealt with people with such tender love and compassion, it it kind of moves you to tears when you read about those times, like the woman caught in adultery. You can read her story in John's Gospel, Chapter 8. I mean, he pretty much puts himself between her and the angry mob that wanted to stone her to death. Go figure that out. So how how do we reconcile that? How do you or I, if we want to be like Jesus, learn to speak into this world the way that he did? When do we speak with tender love, and when do we stand up to be counted and call a spade a spade, no matter who it's going to offend? I guess that's kind of where we're going this week on the program, looking at how we speak into this world like Jesus. How do we connect his message of love and forgiveness and a new and abundant life to the needs, the often desperate needs, in the lives of the people around us? Do we call a spade a spade and get right into people's faces, or or do we speak with compassion and love? And if it's both of those, how do I know when to use one and when to use the other? Now, these questions, as you might imagine, are questions that I've mulled over a lot. And as I look at how Jesus communicated, he only got upset, really upset with people on a handful of occasions. In other words, it was the exception rather than the norm. He didn't see his role as God in the flesh as being one half of a shouting match most of the time. And so far as I can see, he reserved his anger for the people who should have known better, for the people who said they believed in God, the religious leaders. Have a listen. Matthew chapter 23, beginning at verse 12. All who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you lock people out of the kingdom of heaven, for you do not go in yourselves, and then when others are going, you stop them. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cross the sea and land to make a single convert, and you make the new convert twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. Or when he went into the temple, John chapter 2 verse 15, making a whip of cords. He drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. See, the only time Jesus really got stuck in was when he encountered hypocrisy amongst the religious leaders. When they held themselves out to be clean on the outside, but actually they were filthy on the inside. When they oppressed the people who were looking for God, when the powerful stood over the weak, when the rich exploited the widow and the poor, when the judges were dishonest to the detriment of the ordinary people. You know, when Christians, at least here in Australia where I live, sometimes stand up to politicians and publicly speak out against injustice and wrongs and decisions being made and and laws being passed that just aren't in the interests of common people like you and me, the most common response of the politicians is that Christians and church leaders should keep their noses out of politics. I couldn't disagree more. When we see wrongs and injustices, and can I say, especially when we see those things in the church, especially when we see hypocrisy amongst God's own people, I believe it's time to stand up and to say so. This isn't a clash of ideologies. It's not a a slanging match or a shouting match. It's not some irrelevant joker standing on a soapbox on the street corner. Because you know something? The truth, the truth rings out 
clear as a bell. Sure, people with vested interests aren't going to like it. Sure, there's going to be a cost. But God's heart, God's heart is for justice for the poor and the oppressed. And sometimes we're called to speak out. But after this short break, we're going to have a look at the flip side of that coin, the gentle speech of the diplomat, the ambassador. Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. I just want to take a moment during the short break to share something truly important with you. God has an amazing plan for your life once you accept Jesus into your heart. He wants to fill you to overflowing with his blessing, and then, then he wants that blessing to pour out through you into the parched, dry lives of the people around you. It's a stunning plan. And that's why I'd love to send you a free copy of our latest life application booklet. It's called You Can Make a Powerful Difference. It's full of life-changing, practical Bible teaching to help you impact this world for Christ. And at the end of each chapter, you'll find some life application questions to help you kind of think through and apply God's Word right into the realities of your life. To request your free copy, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com, or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415, and we'll send your free booklet straight out to you in the post. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com, or toll-free at 1-300-722-415. Now, if someone believes in Jesus then they're called to be an ambassador of Christ. Of course, the stock in trade of an ambassador is diplomacy. But what does that mean and how do we use it when God is making his appeal to a lost and hurting world through us? Let's take a look at the flip side of the coin, the diplomacy of an ambassador, because Jesus used that much more than that other really direct and angry approach. Most of us, you and I, we have blind spots. In fact, the reason they're called blind spots is that we can't see them. And when it comes to our own blind spots in life, what's amazing is how defensive and touchy we are about them. It's almost that we hold them to be sacred. Let's say our blind spot is anger. That's the one we're dealing with in our lives, and we're prone to flaring up quickly. And someone comes along and points it out to us, well, they'd better watch out. Or if it's low self-esteem and someone tries to help us with it, we can crawl even further inside our shells. So how do you help someone with their blind spots? Because my blind spots, if I don't deal with them, will end up hurting you and stunting me. And you know, my friend, your blind spots, if you don't deal with yours, will end up hurting the rest of us and stunting you. That's what sin does. And before we get all judgmental, sin, sin, what century is this guy coming from? Let me read out to you a succinct list of the sorts of things that I'm talking about, just so there's no mistake. Now, I'm reading from the Message Translation, which is a a really contemporary translation of the Bible, written by a guy called Eugene Peterson. It's coming from Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 to 21. Come and listen to what God calls sin. It's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or to be loved, 
divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalising everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. I could go on, writes Paul. This isn't the first time I've warned you, you know. If you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, you don't have to be a rocket scientist here to figure out that the sort of things that God calls sin, that that Paul's talking about here, they are exclusively the things that cause us and other people pain. And the thing that we want to do when someone's sin is causing us pain is, is we want to give them what for. We want to tell them exactly what we think about them and hold them to account and, if needs be, have a shouting match with them and get our own way. We do. Because what we're driven by is desire to stop our pain. What we're driven by is wanting to win. But here's the thing. If what we want to do is to live our lives as ambassadors of Christ, then we need to handle these incredibly difficult issues with his wisdom. And time and time again, when Jesus encountered people whose sin was ruining their lives, he dealt with them with such incredible compassion. Tax collectors back in Jesus' day were a really grubby lot. They, they were dishonest, they rorted the system, they applied extortion, and this behaviour was sanctioned by the Romans who occupied Israel, so long as the emperor got his taxes. So, by the common Israelite, they were despised, they were considered to be the worst sinners of all, they were, they were traitors and turncoats. Let me read you some of Jesus' wisdom and how he handled them. Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 to 13. If you have a Bible, grab it, open it up. Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 to 13. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And so he got up and followed Jesus. And as he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, They said to his disciples, Why is it that your teacher eats with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard this, Jesus said, Those who are well don't need a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call not the righteous, but the sinners. See, you and I, when we see people whose sin offends us or hurts us, when we're on the receiving end of their sin, the thing we want to do naturally, it's a natural human response, is to cut them off to cut them out of our lives. That way we're protected. That way we don't have to deal with them. That way we don't have to deal with the pain that they cause in our lives. But what Jesus is saying here is that it was precisely for these people, these sinners, these these rejects that he came. And so he went and ate a meal in their house. Here he was, this veritable rock star. Huge crowds were following him. He comes into town. He decides to go and eat with, what, the mayor, the governor, the church leaders, the synagogue leaders, the bishops? No, no, the tax collectors. Do you see this huge, huge symbolic act that was going on here? He knew that it would do two things, that he'd draw vocal criticism from the religious leaders and he'd also confer honour upon the sinners. And by by conferring honour on them, he was building a relationship with them. He was accepting them just as they were, without a word of condemnation or judgment. And my hunch is that that completely changed their attitude towards him. You know something? They had their blind spots. They were rationalising away their extortion and dishonesty. And if Jesus had come and berated them or condemned them or ignored them, nothing would have changed in their lives. Instead, 
he came and ate with them and drank with them and listened to them and took the criticism that everyone else heaped upon him for doing that and he built a bridge by honouring them. And so powerful was this that one of them, Matthew, became one of his disciples. He wrote the first book of the New Testament. You want to be an ambassador of Christ? then we need to learn the language of an ambassador. Being an ambassador is, as we saw on last week's program, about building relationships and bridges so that when there are difficult issues that have to be dealt with, there's already a connection of relationship and trust in place through which to deal with a problem. Think about it. Who, who are the people in your life to whom you give a licence to talk to you about your blind spots? I know who they are in my life. It's the people who've honoured me and stuck with me and who've proven themselves to be wise and trustworthy. They're the ones with that licence. As I look back, it was through those people, people just like that, people who'd eaten with this sinner, loved this sinner, coped with my sins. It was through those very people that I encountered the transforming love of Jesus Christ. They were his ambassadors in my life. They treated me the way he treated those tax collectors. And friend, without them, I wouldn't be with you here right now. It makes you think. I'm Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. As we take this short break, I'd like to tell you about a free daily resource that I'd love to send you. It's called Fresh, a scripture verse with some words of inspiration, hope and encouragement delivered right to the inbox on your smartphone, tablet or computer each and every day. Or if you prefer, you can now receive a printed version delivered right to your letterbox. It's completely free. To get instant access either to the digital or the printed version of Fresh, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com. You'll see the Fresh devotional sign-up right there at the top of the homepage. Or, if you prefer, give us a call toll-free on 1300 722 415 to request the printed Fresh devotional. It's completely up to you. That's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1300 722 415. So go ahead, sign up to receive Fresh, and may your heart be touched and transformed as you draw ever closer to Jesus through His Word. Now, have you ever met someone and all they do is talk? They never seem to stop long enough to listen, only to figure out what they're going to say next. They're, well, they're boring. Sometimes I think, though, when we're telling others about Jesus, we think we have to be like that, all talk. If only we could learn to preach with our ears. Today and over these last few weeks on the program, we've been chatting about what it means to be an ambassador of Christ, to live our lives, if we believe in Jesus, as one of his ambassadors. Remember, the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, writes, So we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. Now, one of the things that strikes me is how strong differences are across cultures. We've had a man recently join our team here at Christianity Works. His name Gregory. Now, you may or may not have noticed, but we Australians are fairly direct in the way we speak. Americans, on the other hand, are less so. We often joke about that. Gregory will ask where the bathroom is, whereas I'll ask where the toilet is. So we Australians are much more direct. But even more than that, Gregory grew up, spent many of his childhood years in Japan. 
And so he has a lot of Japanese culture on the inside too, a culture that's very much about politeness and face. And even though we've known each other for a very long time, working together now every day has been a real learning experience for both of us. When I ask him what he thinks, I want him to actually tell me what he thinks. If he thinks I'm off with the pixies on some issue, I actually want him to tell me so. Forget hierarchies. I just want his direct, honest input because that's how we'll get the right results. He, on the other hand, can find that just a bit confronting because that's not the cultural background that he's come from. It's just one simple example, but it's a good one. Imagine if I as direct as I am, were sent as Australia's ambassador to the US, or, or even more so, to Japan. I'd have to learn a lot about the cultures before I could communicate effectively on a diplomatic level with those countries. I'd have to find different ways of saying things I want to say. I'd have to listen carefully to what their diplomats were saying to make sure I actually hear what they mean to say. You know something? Sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with the people around us is no different to that. After 15 years of walking with Jesus, I have a whole different perspective on what success is, what joy is, what happiness is, what sin is, what pain is, and all sorts of things from someone who's never met Jesus, from someone who doesn't have that relationship with Jesus. Why would I ever imagine I could talk to them as though they have the same perspective as me? You know, for a long, long time in my life, I just wasn't ready for anyone to tell me about this Jesus. I mean, get lost. I I couldn't stand those God-botherers. I had a totally different perspective to theirs. I just knew that life was about making lots of money and being recognised in my field and being successful. I knew I'd find my pot of gold at the end of that rainbow. I had, back then, a whole bunch of misconceptions about life and where I wanted to be headed and what would make me happy. And I didn't need anyone to preach at me, least of all those God-botherers telling me about Jesus. What I needed was someone to listen to me. What I I needed was someone to understand me and help me to understand myself. I needed someone to preach to me with their ears, if that makes sense. An ambassador from one country who's about to be sent to another country has to learn about the culture and the language and the issues and the aspirations and the concerns of the country to which he or she is being sent. Someone who lives in one country and is going to be a missionary in another country, well, they have to do exactly the same. I believe the most important asset an ambassador can have are his ears and his eyes to observe, to perceive, to listen, to see, to understand Jesus grew up in the Hebrew culture in the first century Israel. He attended school in that culture. He knew how to speak, and he had a lot of time listening. He spent time eating and drinking with tax collectors, with sinners. He spent time living with his disciples. He spent time getting to know the issues in people's lives. I remember when I was working in a retail buying group quite some years ago, the chairman of our board was a man called Stan Brown. He owned a menswear store in in Sydney. I remember him saying that a shop attendant who walks up to a customer and opens up with, can I help you? Well, he'd say, "It's, it's like asking someone to marry you on the first date. First, he said, you need to find out who they are. Why are they here? Why did they come into your store? What What's their taste? What were they looking for? First you have to find a point of connection, he said. Then, then they'll be open to receiving your help. 
As I look at people who God brought to me, the ambassadors whom he sent in my direction when I needed to meet him, what I realise is that they, for the most part, preached with their ears. They listened. They understood. They laughed. They cried with me. And once they understood, once I really knew they understood, then I relaxed. Then I let them into my thoughts and into my heart. Then they were allowed to influence me because they got me. Then they had the opportunity to show me who this Jesus really, really is. The stock in trade of an ambassador is diplomacy. It's about trust and communication and understanding. And if you and I, if you and I are going to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ, then that's something I believe we're going to have to learn. When I take the time to get to know you and understand you, whether or not I agree, I have just built a bridge into your life that honours you. When you feel understood, you feel secure and you experience trust. And it's exactly the same back in the other direction. Friend, Jesus was an amazing communicator. He was prepared to confront the difficult issues when they needed to be confronted. And he was prepared to show compassion, because that's what flowed out of his heart, to people in need. And it was that bridge of compassion that we can build with people. That's the bridge that one day Jesus will walk across. Trust me, that's the bridge. And it all comes from preaching with our ears. That's pretty much all we have time for today. But before I go, there's something very important that I need to share with you. This program, Christianity Works, is encouraging so many people in over 160 countries to live out a rich and vibrant faith in Jesus Christ. But that's only possible through the generous support of friends like you. Each dollar that you give towards the ministry of Christianity Works today will help reach over 2,500 people with a gospel message. So a gift of, say, $35 can touch over 85,000 people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Hey, that's amazing. So let me encourage you to give a generous tax-deductible gift to Christianity Works today. You can do that right now, securely online at ChristianityWorks.com or by calling toll-free on 1-300-722-415. And when you do get in touch, please don't forget to request your free copy of that life application booklet I mentioned earlier. It's called You Can Make a Powerful Difference. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Hey, thanks so much for your support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond. Catch you again same time next week with another message of God's love, God's grace and God's power for each one of us in Jesus Christ.
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.